Welcome everybody. Uh, welcome to Estate and Succession Mastery. How are you, Juanita? I'm well, Mark. How are you? Perfectly well, thanks. And I can hear you perfectly well too. So uh, good. Today, we're off to a good start. We're off to a good start. So uh, yes, uh, we just decided this would be the last Estate and Succession Mastery for 2020. I think we're all very busy at the end of the year, and there's uh, tons on and uh, we're looking forward to a very exciting 2021 so we're going to start uh, the week commencing first of february for our um put that in your diaries. so put that in your diary and don't miss it we've got some big things uh coming along next uh, next year but um today we know exactly where Juanita is because spot plant's still there i'll surprise you next year with a different pot plant that's right and maybe yeah, more scenic yeah. background that, that's right we'll, uh, we'll have to get those but um no so i'm down in dubbo today seeing some clients and uh yesterday Juanita, as you know i did a uh, presentation to a whole group of farmers up in uh, uh near Laidley, and uh, to, uh today down in dubbo tomorrow i'm off to uh, back up to Boona to talk to some people up there but it's just been really interesting and i thought we might chat about some of the things that have uh, been conversation pieces and uh, uh, and so on and, and love your comments on this one, And what I've really struck yesterday and today in the meetings has been uh, the the great tendency for the parents not to let go. You know, Dad wants to die with his boots on, and uh, uh, the young, the next generation are coming through. Uh, there's always a, a struggle, a conflict between you know Dad's generation and the and the generation coming through in regard to how to set up a, a structured transition from one generation mm. to the next. And how have you found the best way to deal with this? Uh, it's something we see all the time and there's no um, wrong about it, is there? It's uh, perfectly understandable for the older generation to want to work and contribute as long as they can. Normally the, the younger generation is is sort of chomping at the, at the you know, the, the boot to get in there and that's um, often where the angst will come. Uh, I, I think the best way to, to handle it is by having that open communication. There we go. Uh, you know, right. Um, Two minutes, right from 45. Yeah, and I guess re reiterating what we've said before, but um, that that is the way to deal with that situation, communication right from the start before things go pear-shaped, and, and that puts everyone in the best position to um, to go forward in a really good manner. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll talk just generally about one of the conversations I've had, let's just say it's been in the last week, uh, with a family, um, you know, mum and dad and uh, two children who are taking over the business. It's not a rural business, actually, but it's uh, uh, the, the kids are coming through, they're taking over the business. Mum and dad, uh, you know, have been running the business for years. Dad's built it up. Uh, and to, to be honest, he's um, a lovely guy, but but he just loves what he does in the business and, and uh, he doesn't play golf, he doesn't do bowls, he doesn't want to go and swim by the beach or go fishing or, sorry, swim at the beach or go fishing, anything like that. Mm -hmm. He just loves what he does. He loves the community, you know, the, the, the contact with the customers. Uh, he loves getting out there and he's, he's always been a great relationship person. So his whole life he's been the guy that people want to come into and talk to before they buy, buy stuff. Um, and so what we, we we've had we had a meeting with this family and, and basically and this is what we do with most rural families too is say okay well how can you transition some of the roles onto the next generation 
Mm. And he's looking at a six-year penalty. Actually, five years ago, he said in five years he'd be out. Now it's he's had another six years on top of that. <laughs> so the kids are being patient. But but they're pretty much running most of the stuff now. But what happens is we, we had a meeting and said, okay, what are the things you love doing? What are the things that you really enjoy and get energy out of? And it's not... You know, it's not doing the planning or the accounting or anything like that. It's it's the contact and communication, in his case, with the, the customers and so on. And so we, we're sort of handing over the other responsibilities to the two kids coming through and, and taking away the stuff from Dad that he, he doesn't enjoy so much. And I think that's what you've got to do in, yeah. you know, like, and I always use the example, you know, uh, when are you going to hand over, you know, the decision-making on who buys the bulls for the farm, Dad? Um, you, you know, it's kind of what are all the key roles that dad's always done, but one day he's going to have to hand over to someone else. When's the best yeah. time to be doing the irrigating? When do we buy the, the fertilizer and uh, and so on? So, um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting, but I mean, it's okay yeah. that dads want to die with their boots on too, isn't it? Yeah, and it's totally understandable, isn't it? When you, um, we constantly hear stories of clients uh, of that older generation in the family that uh feel if they if they give that away then they've got nothing their life has been so um dedicated and enriched by doing that so uh like i said no right or wrong it's just trying to reach a happy medium i guess um for everyone but but also realizing that the assets of the the family are the older generations yeah that we you talk often mark about um you know not having an expectation so it's it's really you know assisting that older generation uh, as best we can to transition and and enjoy <laughs> enjoy that that time of their lives as well as prepare for what will happen once they're gone yeah look absolutely yeah say so no right or wrong answer I think there's a lot of fear uh, sometimes in the older generation that that once they um, they give up running the farm they're going to be kicked off the farm or mm -hmm. they're going to be kicked out of the business there. And because they love so much what they've done for all those years, I mean, that's when people die is when you take away their fun yeah. and their enjoyment. And uh, so I think there's a lot of fear from the older generation that that's what the younger generation are trying to <clears throat> to do, to kick them off, to uh, move them on, to, to get them out. But, I mean, most rural families, uh, mum and dad still live on the farm in many cases, even though the sons do get to the point where they're taking over all the work, all the running of the business and so on, and mum and dad retire you know, until such time as from a health point of view, they need to uh, to move forward. So so I think it's a worthwhile yeah. conversation to have around the uh, the issue, but but also that mum and dad need to feel safe that, um, yeah. you know, it is okay and everyone's still going to look after them and uh, no one's kicking them off anything, but but they just want to make sure there's an opportunity for the kids to, to take up the reins and, uh, and start doing things as, as they probably did to their fathers. I think it's also a particularly important conversation, not only to think about what will happen when both parents pass away, but also when one or the other passes away. So, for example, if the if the um, parent had been uh, the, the the father, for example, had been the primary um, worker on the farm, but has brought in uh, some of the younger generation, be it the daughter or the sons, to help. Um, when he passes away, you want to make sure that it's a really fine balance between um, providing for the next generation bringing them into that that sort of business environment but also making sure mum's got somewhere to live and isn't going to be booted off by by any of the children as that time passes and you know it's it's not just the male and the mother in that situation it's vice versa so you know if the if the um the the mother was to pass away 
um, first or the non-worker or the worker. You know, we don't want to be judgmental or sexist here. It's it's looking at each each individual person and thinking what does that look like and what do they need to be comfortable after the first one passes away. And, of course, what do we want to see happen to everything when we both go? Yeah, yeah, very valuable. And, uh, you know, it sort of ties in with another other conversations I've had this week. Um, I actually did a video, if anyone watches my... Uh, Facebook page, uh, Rural Succession Solutions on Facebook. I did a video about um, entitlement expectation and uh, and uh, and so on. And the conversations we have with clients' children's in re children in regard to what we call the gratitude conversation or the gratitude mindset, mm -hmm. and and that is having conversations with kids about saying, well, um, you know, when mum and dad do pass on, you know, what are your thoughts in regard to what would be fair amongst the family and and all that sort of stuff and Mm -hmm. I made a comment there that about there's about one or two children in a hundred that are entitled brats. Uh, all they're thinking about is what they're going to get out of it. Um, but for the balance, 98% of uh, of the children probably that I've spoken to over the last couple of years, you know, there's just a whole lot of gratitude. And I think parents would be uh, would actually be proud to know they've done a good job bringing up their kids to know that 98% of the children that I talk to really just say, look, we just want mum and dad to be okay. We want them to have a good time. You know, they've done all mm -hmm. the hard work. You know, sure, it'd be great to have the opportunity to, to take over the business or whatever, but but at the end of the day, we want to make sure whatever mum and dad need is what they're going to have and uh, and so on. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, when I sat down and thought about the statistics around these conversations, it was really heartening. Mm. Yeah, and I think a lot of times that, that next generation just wants some information or some clarity uh it, it may not be um that they're wanting x and y it, it just the, the lack of often the lack of of information and clarity and communication is what causes the angst um better the devil you know i suppose in some ways and then you don't and just by um being able to verbalize and, and pass on that information can be an important stepping stone forward for the family yeah. and i, I guess yeah, it helps help behaviors moving forward one yeah, would hope. You, 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 you hope. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, you, um, you, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. Kids, the kids that I have the conversations with aren't sitting there saying, hey, you know, what am I going to get out of this? What they're sitting there saying is, can someone just give us a clue as to what mum and dad's plans yeah. are so that we know how to get on with our lives? And if, mm. if mum and dad want to sell up and, and move to, um, to Acapulco, well, you know, Nobody ever has a problem with that. It's just, can you let us know so so we don't invest all our time and effort into helping on the farm at the expense of us getting on with our lives? And people just want to know what the plan is so they know how they fit into the plan, whatever that is. It's not like they're waiting for money. They're just waiting for, I guess, direction. And if there is an opportunity, that's great. And if there isn't, that's that's fine too. I mean, most most. No one's sitting around waiting for mum and dad to solve all their financial grief. They're mm. they're just waiting to to see how they can be involved. And a lot of times, there's pride in the family property and all that sort of stuff. And and so they, you know, they they'd love the opportunity, but it's um, life will still go on if mum and dad decide to just pack it all in, sell it, and uh, and move to the coast. Uh, mm. And I think that's um, an important thing for everyone to remember. Absolutely. And Mark, in your experience. How do you find, uh, when you've got there's multiple children in that next generation, how do you um, find uh, what can work to, to help them with their communication to avoid family disputes down in the future? 
Sorry, I was just looking at some messages here that had come through, but um, it wasn't someone. We've actually got a spammer watching this. So, so can you please ask the question again? Because looking Obviously, at it's, not just, uh, it's not just communication between the, the older generation and the next. It's also between the next generation where there's multiple children. So, and, you know, you've, you've dealt with a lot of families and, and how, how do you find that you're able to help those conversations? Yeah, look, look, it's been interesting. In the last couple of months, two, three months, uh, I've had a lot of conversations in regard to people where there's multiple, uh, multiple number of children and there might be just one or two properties that can be handed down to the next generation. Um, and, and it's a really, a really fine balancing act. So, say for example, I mean, I've got one one client where there's eight kids and one farm. So, you know, it meant yeah. I, I had to have the conversation with seven other children in regard to how their endowment from their mum and dad, if they pass early, is going to be a deferred endowment. It's, uh, you know, instead of they can't expect to line up now before the fullness of time of what mum and dad have. Mum and dad expect to live another 20, 30 years, and, and then to be able to hopefully give something gift something to each of the children now if they go get taken early um they, they still want the farm to stay in the family but there's not enough money to give the farm to to one of the kids because there's only it's only going to generate income for one child and um and, and the other kids are really just going to have to sit and wait for the fullness of time when mum and dad would have liked to have handed down some endowment or gift or benefit to them and uh, it, look, once again, it's just really about communication. So if I can sit down and talk with kids and say, look, this is in mum and dad's heart. This is what they'd love to happen. Practically, you know, this is what can happen. Mm. And so we, we uh, excuse me, find a, find a balance between the two so that, you know, everyone doesn't have unrealistic expectations. No one's turning up saying, you know, I can't wait for mum and dad to go so I can get some cash. No one, no one does, well, 98 percent don't um but the rest are totally understanding if it's explained to them properly if, if you can have a conversation if you can communicate and so on and whilst we keep coming back to that all the time you know that just is the the greatest truism out of everything we have conversations about when either is is communication is what it's all about and whatever your plans are just just make sure the uh, uh, the family is aware and, and that's what stops the squabbles mm. really. and what what I, I was thinking as you were talking, Mark, often um, we'll come across situations where that, those conversations haven't happened. So in an ideal world, uh, you know, the appropriate advice and assistance has been obtained and the succession plan and the estate plan is in place. Uh, what happens when someone passes away and it then it's a messy and and the, you have, uh, you know, numerous children or beneficiaries or including potentially a parent um, in dispute? So, you know, being that today's topic is how to avoid those disputes, I, I guess it's also uh, what happens if they're there. And so we really need to try to, to fix it, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, ideally you fix all these things before mum and dad mm -hmm. pass away. But a lot of times there's conflict in families uh, while everyone's still around, everyone's still alive, mm -hmm. you know. The, and, and once again, it's the fear of the unknowns. All the, all the conflict comes from communication issues. So if mum and dad are still alive and there's, you know, three, four kids or whatever, um, and, and I run into this all the time, you know, there's there's already conflict. And once again, it's because there's been no communication and the kids are sort of, you know, wandering along aimlessly, not knowing what 
the future holds, what they should plan, what they should do, and nobody knows how to have the conversation. So the kids don't want to ask mum and dad because that seems like they're being needy and, and sort of, you know, chasing money. And mum and dad don't know how to fix the problem. You know, they don't know how to solve the, the, the transfer to the next generation, how to make it fair, how to make it good for everybody as much as they can. Uh, so they do nothing. They procrastinate. They, uh, they put it off and, and so on. But look, I um, and as I say, communication is the only way to solve that. Now, if, if you haven't had the communication and mum and dad pass away and the kids are already in a blue, I mean, that's just going to cost the family a, a bomb. And uh, unless you can get someone in to sort of mediate and someone who understood what mum and dad's intentions were and someone who can have that conversation with the kids and, and stop them from fighting for them. And I know this is not your part of the uh, estate planning process, but stop them from going to lawyers and just racking up hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of costs. Uh, so mm. many, and you'd see this when people do come to you in these sort of situations. I mean, it's just a waste of time. This could have been solved so easily with, with some conversations and uh, some direction. And it still can be saved if um, people come at it from the right attitude and come from it uh, understanding that whatever mum and dad left them for whatever reason they left in that way even if they didn't get to set it up as well as they could have they still cared enough to want to leave something for the kids not to have the kids fight about it and yeah and i think it'd be getting the appropriate advice and so having someone to, to to give advice that's uh practical and common sense and being able to take that emotion out of it that um mm. that uh, as a matter of course all the family members will usually uh, carry with them so you know being able to to put that uh, this is where an advisor is very valuable whether it be before or afterwards just being able to put all that emotion to the side and just look at the the stark reality and give some common sense practical advice yeah and look i'm not trying to stir the pot here with sons and daughters-in-law but i mean at the end of the day a lot of the issues um uh, post-death are caused by uh, the in-laws you know the daughters-in-law the sons-in-law you know, in the ear of, uh, of their spouse. Um, and it, it's a sad thing to say, but I mean, if you can sort of take that influence away and just make sure that it's the kids talking to each other, you know, the actual blood children uh, are the ones having the conversations, you get a much better outcome because oftentimes, uh, you know, when people get married, they have their own children, they have different numbers of children to their other siblings and so on. And it just really can create some from, from usually from the outsiders, some expectations which which aren't realistic. But I just wanted to, um, if I may, when I just, whoops, what am I doing here? I created sure. a little, I created a little scorecard, how to avoid family conflict scorecard. And it's okay. one of the things I hand out, uh, hand out yesterday to the group uh, when I was talking um, near lately and, uh, and I'll be handing it out tomorrow when I'm talking to all the people up there and I just want to go through I thought it'd just be useful to take 10 minutes uh, uh, we need just to go through the some of the questions I ask and, sure. and the first one is um, do you know exactly how to start your estate and succession planning process and who you need to involve to ensure the best result um, simple yes or, or no questions you know do you know how to start the planning process and and who do you need to involve to ensure your best results. So uh, what's your advice in regard to, to that question? Uh, to make a start. Uh, so yeah. often, often yeah. that, that How do question. You make a start? <laughs> I think um, you need to uh, pick up the phone and talk to someone, talk to a trusted advisor and, and get some direction or uh, ask friends. So 
uh, ask friends of their experiences if they have someone that they recommend that can help you uh, and then pick up the phone and have a chat to that person. So it's 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 making a start, it's picking up the phone, it's having that first conversation to get the ball rolling. Um, or alternatively, another useful thing, Mark, is, is as you run through in your um, you know steps, I guess, is just putting some thoughts down on paper and starting to crystallise your your thoughts and your wishes. Um, you know yep. whether that be before or after you you make that phone call to get some initial help. Yeah, look, one of the things I, I often say, and, and people may say that I have a vested interest in, in saying this, but this is just the truth, is that you can't solve you can't solve these issues uh, from within the family. It's pointless mum and dad just sitting down with the kids and, uh, and having a conversation because, you know, for, for a million different reasons, and you really need someone from outside to come in and, and start the conversation you know, with the family. And that's why I say, you know, do you know who to talk to? And, and, and you're absolutely right. Talk to others who have been through the process. Talk to people who have done it well. Talk, don't talk to people who, you know, haven't been able to, to work out how to do it. Find mm -hmm. uh, find people, you know, friends who have gone through a successful yeah. family transition or whatever and uh, and look and, and take, take their advice. And uh, the question on who you need to involve to ensure the best result, um, as I've often said, there's, there's about three percent of the lawyers in Australia are good at this. You guys being one of them, and <laughs> so there. Uh, the analogy is, if, if, if you have a brain tumor, you wouldn't go to a general practitioner. You'd go to a yeah. specialist. And and uh, you know, with your estate and succession planning, you know, if you're having these conversations and, and you're thinking about your estate and your succession plan, chances are, it's uh, you know, reasonable to significant sized estate. <laughs> And you need to get proper advice. So don't go to Johnny, the corner store sort of lawyer who, um, you know, specializes in 20 different things. So he says, look out and seek out people who specialize in estate and succession planning and uh, and give them a call and, and, uh, and get them to help you to start with the questions you need to uh, to answer to, to make some progress here and help you with the communication between the generations. Not everyone's good at that part. Obviously, that's what we do, and hopefully, we do well. But mm. um, worst-case scenario is at least at least start with someone who knows what they're talking about in the state and succession planning a lawyer who's a specialist in that area. I think uh, we we certainly agree that you know some communication between family members is always better than none. So that is sure. you know a fantastic start. Um, in my experience, and I'm sure it's the same with you, Mark. That often when you have a family sitting around a table having this discussion. There will naturally be some that uh, overtalk the situation. Um, there will be some that butt in and don't let other people finish. There'll be some that don't say anything because they're too intimidated or don't understand the process. And so, um, I would never say don't try that yeah. because that's an awesome thing to do to get everyone and start talking about it. But there, there will often be, um, depending on the dynamic, a need for for someone to come in and, and assist you. Yeah, I, I should reframe what I say. Uh, you've, you've made a valid point there. Yeah, the, the family sitting down and having the initial conversation, it, 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 it is a good idea because the yeah. greatest issue is, of course, because no one talks to each other. Probably where mm -hmm. I'm going with that is that if that's all you do is just have conversations within your family, that's where the problems come from is that, yeah, people will say nothing because they have respect for mum and dad and they don't want to argue with them uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, and so on. And the loud one will get heard, the quiet one, the shy one, the youngest yep. one get hurt and, yeah. and so on so 
yeah, start with having a conversation. Start talking between the generations, but be looking for where you can go to seek professional advice because whilst you need to start the conversation, the only way you're going to fix everything is is someone from outside the family. So uh, you're never going to fix it from within the family, but you can identify the problems from some of the problems from within the family. But the second, and which leads really perfectly into the second question, is that do you have open and regular communication with you? Your spouse and your children uh, in regard to the, the estate and succession planning topic so which is really what we've just been saying you know you do even though i'll, I'll maintain you can't fix it from within you do need to uh, you do need to start talking about it and identify the fact that you need to get professional help okay third uh, third question so just moving on is uh, do you know how to create fairness between your children and have you had the conversation with each of them in regard to what your thoughts and plans are? And this is, that is one a of tough the biggest one. issues, isn't it? Tough, tough, tough one. So some people, it's not yeah. a surprise. Some people have it's very, it's very equal. You have, uh, you might have a pot of cash, or you might have three properties and three kids, and you can split it up very equally. But um, the the usual situation is that you have kids in different spots wanting to do different things you don't have an equal number of, of assets and so it um it, it it becomes a really uh difficult exercise potentially unless you get help mm. to uh, to achieve what you what you want to do to to be um fair to all the children and, and you know as we always say mark fair doesn't always necessarily mean completely equal uh but that's that's a process that we go through yeah, and I mean, that's been one of the great tools and resources that, um, you know, we've created in conjunction with Tom and yourself is the distribution matrix. And, uh, you know, once once you've been through the uh, due diligence is actually sitting down and, and working out what your thoughts are in regard to what what's fair to leave to each of the children and, and to create fairness. Because if someone's been working on the farm for 20, 25 years and, uh, you know, the other child's just been hanging out, having a good time, uh, and you know, not caring so much about contributing to the family wealth, uh, then you know, equal is just absolutely not fair. You can't you can't have one child doing twenty five years of work and the other child doing nothing and give them the same same amount of benefit. So, yeah. but there's also a whole range of other issues that we go through in, in regard to creating fairness between the siblings and so on. And uh, you know, that's something I'm happy to happy to talk to people about if they want more information. It's just not that simple as creating a spreadsheet. There's conversations and understanding what each of the children' dreams and aspirations are, and so on as well. And mm. uh, that's just such a key part of it. Uh, which is leading into the next question. You know exactly what your children's plans are for the future, uh, and you are not experiencing any communication issues with them or their spouses. Uh, <laughs> Does anyone have a Tick that one. That's a tough one to tick, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. You know exactly what your children's plans are, and you're not experiencing any communication issues with them or their spouses. Yep, haven't had anyone tick that one yet. Yeah, oh, and that'll one, change. One or two. That'll be constantly changing too, won't it? So you know, that's not a, a set in stone yeah. tick or cross. That, that well, that's something that's ever evolving. Yeah, look, absolutely, and, uh, and and as I've discovered, especially over the last twelve months, is that you know, especially with younger younger children, you know, teenagers through to mid twenties and maybe a bit bit more, is that you know, it's very hard, even even if I have a conversation with them right now and, and try and work out what their dreams and aspirations are. In twelve months' time, it could be completely different. Or in two years' time, you know, that child may have changed their minds, and they're entitled to change their minds too. So. 
it's really an ongoing thing, making sure you're always aware. And, and kids won't always necessarily be, be absolutely honest with mum and dad, fear of hurting their feelings or, or putting a spanner in the works or something. So um, it's one of the things we do. And I hope we do that well is to keep keep on top of what their real thoughts are. The, the final thing, so we've only got a couple of minutes or so left, is uh, do you have in place a fully documented and funded plan which creates absolute lifetime certainty for your spouse as well as financial security where required for those you love and care for? Tick. <laughs> uh, again, the majority certainly wouldn't tick that, but that's the end result, isn't it? So. Um, Absolutely, that's that's the yeah. ideal outcome: a fully documented plan, a funded plan, which creates certainty, confidence, and security for, for your spouse initially. And that's always my key priority: is make sure make sure mum and dad are taken care of if anything happens to either one of them. Uh, but also financial security where required. And that's that's um, that doesn't mean you've got to make financial security for all your children, but you've got to make sure that whichever one of you is left out of mum and dad, there's enough financial security there for whatever your needs will be. And, uh, and then you can work out the rest from, from there. So that's Absolutely. my um, that's my five <laughs> questions on how to avoid. And if you tick all of them, then you're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't need Hopefully us. You don't need our help. After we've dealt with this, you'll tick all of them, yes. But I, I don't find many that tick them all to start. No. Some will be able to tick some, but uh, very rarely. Yeah, that's right. You can tick all. Hey, look. Uh, uh, time's up for, for this year, Juanita, and I just want to say thanks. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you uh, every week and uh, looking forward like to uh, coming back bigger and brighter next year in 2021, the week starting the 1st of February. Uh, yep. We think everyone needs some free time and, and we're <laughs> we need some free time at the moment because with the run-up to Christmas, we're sort of run off our feet a bit getting everything finished. So, uh, But I hope that everyone has been listening to these during the year has got some value from them. I mean, you only need to pick up one idea. They're only short, sharp 30-minute sessions that we run. Mm. And uh, if if you watch it once and you pick up an idea and it, it prompts you or encourages you to go off and, and do something about creating certainty, security and confidence for your family, then, then Juanita, you and I have done a great job. And uh, what do you think? I, I couldn't agree more. So I, I look forward <laughs> to coming back next year and over the, you know, having a nice break and I hope everyone has a good Christmas break and coming up with some new yep. exciting topics for next season and we'll have to do something different, Mark. I don't know. We'll have to, have to have a different plan or a different background, but it's been a, a, a pleasure to everyone this, this, this year. I look forward to coming back next year. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, everybody. See you next year. Bye.